have to then. I had to think about yeah. it before I actually set a number. Yeah. With this is our fifth one. We will have number four out. Hopefully by the time you see this one, yeah, it's yeah. already out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, working on it today. Yes. But also, just before we start, I just wanted to actually say a massive thank you um, to everybody who listened and watched or, and shared something about podcast number three, which was our body image uh, podcast. We had such a massive response. Hey, yeah. we were um, really quite, well, I was yeah. really quite overwhelmed um, at the messages that I got. Yeah. Um, from other people so yeah I actually just wanted to firstly say thank you yeah um for sharing that and um yeah like the point of our podcast is that you get something out of it and obviously a lot of people did really get something out of that one um which is really awesome because I don't know about you well you probably weren't nervous because you know what we're gonna do um but I was obviously very nervous about that one um yeah because obviously it was very personal to me and um I guess that's probably you today a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, Listen, yeah. <laughs> wait, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to be as together as you when I cried. If you cry today, I am also going to cry. <laughs> I am not going to hold it together like you were able to hold it together. I would just like to point out that the last time I didn't cry was, I think, because I was so stressed about other things going on <laughs> in my life, which we're talking about today, and I can already feel the tears at the back of my eyes. <laughs> we can't even make it out of the intro. <laughs> we can't even make it out of the intro. Listen, <laughs> this is going to make you laugh before we start. I can't believe she hasn't picked up on it yet. My massive pineapple. Look at that. <laughs> I'm so distracted by the number 17 on both my arms. I've just been to um, netball trials. Um, I actually had to play against a girl just then um, who could have been my daughter. And I asked for a two-second time um, handicap on her so that I could get it her first because she was so fast and I just played I don't know how long at center and I was a bit um, fatigued and then all of a sudden they stick me against this like 13 year old who weighed I think about 10 kilos I'm like ah, she has a Suck serious it. weight advantage and like she was tall and skinny legs and I'm like trying to run around you know behind her I'm like a stampeding rhino behind her <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was intense but anyway so that's why I've got the number 17 on my arm. I just had netball trials. No, I'm not a triathlete, although I probably could have got away with saying I was. Mm. Well, actually, Nicole and Loz, shout out to them today. Yeah, just did finished their first triathlon yeah. event today. So proud of them. Yeah. So proud of them. And especially, like, Lauren just, Nicole had kept posting, like, um, does anyone want to join me? Mm. And I was like, oh, I, actually, I would, but I was more really scared to swim, especially in the ocean. Yeah. Um, but Loz was like, yeah, I will do it. And they did it. They did a little bit of training beforehand because they got a bigger event coming up. So massive shout out to those girls. Mm, that's so um, impressive. Yeah, so impressive. Like just so, um, I'm really proud of Nicole too because when she first started working with me, it was because she had a massive back injury. I um, mean, she just couldn't make any progress with it. And now she's oh, like crushing it, crushing mm. deadlift goals, squat goals, so much stuff. Jumping, um, you know, and before she could you know, barely even swing kettlebells yep. without um, her back pain. She's a weapon so and her movement is so good. Yes, yeah, um, so I actually so. asked her when I first um, met her um, if she'd done any sort of lifting before. I said, your technique is so good. Um, and she said that she'd done a little bit of CrossFit um, previously. But yeah, very impressive to watch her. And Loz has come so far. Oh, so far. So yeah. far. It has been so cool watching her. 
um, progress and just become so confident. Oh, I was and, just going to say that too. Yeah. yeah, both of them, like just yeah. within themselves, like within the gym, but also obviously doing the triathlon outside the gym as well. Yeah. However, we digress. We digress. We told you what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, mental health. Yes. And healthy brain aging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a little bit of background information to this is I am currently doing um, or, or working towards my PhD. So at the moment I'm doing a research project which will then be upgraded into Oh, my, you are smart. <laughs> in my very narrow field. Once we move beyond <laughs> that, oh, I say some pretty stupid things. Uh, even I notice, like I'm not totally unaware, but even like things will come out of my mouth and as soon as they're out, I'm thinking, oh, I'd really like to retract that statement. <laughs> and luckily I have really good friends and a husband who lets me get away with these stupid things. <laughs> mm. Anyway, uh, so I'm currently involved in something called the Brain Training Trial and this is uh, at the University of Queensland. And it is a trial that is between UQ, um, University of Sydney, and then also in Canada, they're part of this trial. And what they're looking at is high intensity exercise and weight training and how that improves what's called mild cognitive impairment. So mild cognitive impairment is basically where there is some sort of impairment in relation to um, cognition. So working memory, um, learning, recall, that sort of thing but it's not to the point where it's diagnosable as dementia or Alzheimer's. So mild cognitive impairment, you can get that MCI and it can just stay like that and it never progresses or it can be the first stages of um, dementia. Anyway, so in terms of what they're looking at is this high intensity exercise and this is proper high intensity exercise. So this is a, or proper high intensity interval training. Uh, and what they do is they push their participants to 85 to 95% of their heart rate reserve. So we are really, you know, giving them a good nudge. And then with the weight training, they were working at between 85 and 90% of their 1RM. So, and we're talking elderly people. So people who are 60 plus um, and really pushing them because it is the high intensity that seems to convey these benefits. Uh, anyway, so the reason I got involved in that was I sort of had a bit of a crisis with my personal and business life, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. I contacted a professor who had really inspired me with some of the research he was doing and got involved in the study. And I got involved in the study at the start of 2019 and then at the end of 2019, um, you're gonna have to finish the sentence for me. <laughs> no, I can't because then I'm gonna cry. <laughs> so then in 2019, your mum um, was, Diagnosed with dementia, Alzheimer's dementia. Alzheimer's yep. dementia. Yep. Um, and so that is why this is so important to you and meaningful for you. Yeah. Um, finding ways one to help her, um, and I guess also to help you. Yeah. Um, you know, because obviously that then can be something that is passed on down to you, like um, yeah, hereditary. Yeah, and that's a really, um, really scary thing is that you, so my mum has deteriorated really quickly. I, don't, I haven't actually spoken publicly about it before because it's the sort of condition that you look at and it's so, um, it's humiliating, like it's humiliating for my mum. And really heartbreaking for you to watch. Yeah, so, and this sounds awful, but my mum is dead, like she's already gone. Um, and what we see now is, you know, someone who, can't dress herself, 
well she does but like she'll wear the same clothes six days in a row she does she doesn't bathe um she had the wrong shoes on the other day so mismatched shoes and didn't realize um she can't do basic tasks anymore um she's getting lost in the house so it's really deteriorated very quickly um and it's a scary thing to watch because you think i could have that that gene and anytime now i can't think of words or um <clears throat> i can't think of a name i start getting really stressed that um that's my future and my sister's worrying about the same thing so there's things that i do and people might think i'm a little bit fanatical about it like i'm trying to always go to bed early and everyone's always having a go at me because i won't stay up but <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> You're not the only not, one. Well, I'm also, you won't get up and come work out with me. <laughs> That's more so what I'm getting up the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm a bit fanatical about sleep. Sleep is very strongly linked to Alzheimer's disease. Very so what we're going to talk about today is um, mental health with a strong focus towards that. So I'm just, we're going to share but also, our, but also depression yeah, and anxiety because and how exercise is, can benefit your mental health yeah. is ultimately what we want to share with you. The brain. Yeah. By sharing our kind of personal experiences. Yeah. Um, and then also actually Naomi's going to talk about some of this stuff that she's learning in the study, which we've been talking about before we started this, um, which is so interesting. Even if you are not a nerd or a science person, it's actually really interesting. Um, and honestly, like no one knows what or how you're going to age or what things are going to come your way. And so I feel like the more tools that we have and the more information we're armed with, the better we can handle those situations or like, I guess, prolong or like, um, you know, remain as healthy as we can. And I guess yeah. like the brain is something that you don't see. Like, yeah. you don't, you don't see changes happening. You know, like if you're, you know, getting overweight, you see like physical, you change, walking up the stairs will be hard. Yeah. Um, you know, bending over to tie your shoelaces, whatever. But with your brain, like there's no, um, it's not, you can't, you can't it's not see observable. it. It's not observable, mm. you know? And like you were saying, sometimes it can kind of start here and then you're you're here before you know it and there's nothing to kind of stop that yeah so um do you want to well i you, thought i'd also yeah. um so when we talk about brain health like obviously one of the um the things that i'm obviously very passionate about is alzheimer's and i'll probably spend the rest of my life um studying the brain and, and looking at exercise and nutrition as a means of improving um outcomes relating to the brain, whether it be psychological conditions, whether it be mental health, whether it be disease like um, Alzheimer's or whatnot. Um, so on a personal note, like before I had my twins, I would say that I had never had any sort of mental health related problems. Um, and I think that's why I'm also so passionate about, you know, sleep and exercise and food. Um, when I had the twins, I got postnatal depression. Uh, unfortunately, my husband didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on and I was not getting the support I needed. It was all about the twins. Everyone wanted to, you know, I feel food. like postnatal depression is one of the most undiagnosed things, even though like we talk about it a lot. Yeah. I feel like people still actually don't, I want to say understand, mm. but I feel like people don't actually, um, like talk to the suffering person about that. There's not enough 
emphasis on the mum. Yeah. Post birth. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a societal issue. Yeah. It's a healthcare system issue. Um, but <clears throat> and also an us issue because we are just like, yeah. oh, it doesn't. You get to, you're like it doesn't matter about us. Yeah. I have a healthy baby. It doesn't matter what happened to me. The is my baby syndrome. okay? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah. Your whole focus is the baby, then everybody else's focus is the baby, and you just kind of left, get left by the wayside. Yeah. Um, where it's almost like, who cares, because your baby is healthy. And it's also still really stigmatised. So it sort of is like a, um, a personal failing if you're, if you're struggling, because you're a woman, so yeah. motherhood should be easy. It should come naturally to you. Yeah. And I also had the compounding issue of having Andrew um, and he and Andrew's father and I, when well, we don't really talk now, but we were really on bad terms at that point. And I was really scared to go and see medic, like seek medical help in case Stephen found out about that and used it against me. And not that, like I wasn't rational at the time. I don't think Stephen would have done that. That is no slight against him. But that was my thinking. Yeah. So my thinking was if I go to the doctor and seek help for this mental health problem, what if they then take my child away from me, you know? Oh, and I think that a lot of women would think about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think sometimes people just think, like, postnatal depression, you're just tired. Yeah. Well, actually, no. Mm. For me, I actually didn't realise... Um, so I suffer from depression since I was a teenager. My last year of school is when I was diagnosed um, just... Which I think a lot of people would be so surprised to hear that i remember the first time you said that to me i actually was i, I might not have shown it on my face because you just had frozen oh. <laughs> <laughs> but i was really surprised i thought you know like wow okay um and i think it's important to hear that because just because someone's real happy and bubbly and you know it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing difficulties a hundred percent and i think that can be kind of part of the issue of like um, mental health going undiagnosed, not undiagnosed, but unnoticed by your friends and family is that, um, you know, my husband still really struggles to pick up when I'm kind of getting into a down spiral. My mum is very good because she'll notice that I'll ring her an increasing amount of time. I'll be a lot more emotional. I will have yeah. a lot less patience. Um, but for me, I generally don't really notice until I'm kind of coming back out. Which um, is interesting really, you yeah. said that, sorry, because I didn't realise with the postnatal depression that I had it, really. Until you kind of had got through it. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I understand what that was. So that yeah. really resonated with me. Oh, hundred And I was the same with Ella. Like, um, with Ella, I obviously not diagnosed, but pretty sure that I had gone through postnatal depression with Ella because I had a really hard time bonding with her. Like, yeah. a really hard time. And I at the time, I just, I didn't really... I just tried to, I don't know, just get through it. And then I remember th sitting there one day and I was feeding her and I was like, um, like having a really beautiful moment with her. And I was like, oh, wow, like, bef like this is not what it was before. Like mm. I wasn't, I was forcing myself to have those moments with her. Yeah. But I actually wasn't actually making the connection there. Yeah. I was forcing it because that's what I was supposed to do and what I was supposed to feel and yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. You know, and I had never talked to anybody about that. Yeah. Um, you know, you just kind of deal with it, yeah. I guess. And then, you know, like now I talk to my mom about it. I talk to other people about it. I share my experience and I feel like that helps me. Definitely. Um, yeah. 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 And it's, it's a scary thing. I can remember feeling like 
I was stuck inside my own head. I, I don't know how to explain it any better than that, but I thought I was really scared I was going to be stuck here forever. And it was a very, oh, I was only getting about an hour's sleep with the twins for about two months and they weren't getting weight because I was trying to breastfeed them. And my milk supply had been affected because I'd had a reduction and I didn't realise that that would, oh, it was just this thing. And then there was a lot of pressure. And then it's a never ending cycle, yeah, isn't it? Just because, spirals. like, one, you know, <laughs> like you have, it's one thing after the other, but you don't understand and you yeah. don't know what's happening. And the stress just fucking continues because yeah. you're not sleeping, yeah. you're not feeding, yeah. then they don't sleep, then they, like, it's yeah. just, you know, it's just this whole vicious circle that yeah. is, you know, like, how do you get out of that? Well, it's hard because. Um, so with Tony, he didn't understand and he just told me to get over it. You need to get over it. People want to see the babies. What's your problem? <laughs> um, and you know, at the time I remember thinking, well, what is my problem? Why am I like this? But everyone was in, it just felt like everyone was in my face. I was always having people at the house and I just wanted, you know, to, a bit of time to try and figure out what's going on. And I was really teary all the time. And then I was developing this anxiety and thankfully the postnatal depression resolved. Um, once I started sleeping, weirdly. Um, you know, it was fine, but I can remember one night, like I was at my parents' house and I'd taken the twins with me and we had just all night, Sarai would feed, go to sleep, Lexi would wake and, and I was just like that and it went through till 7am in the morning and I just got them both to sleep and Alexa woke up and looked at me and I was holding her and she was only about, you know, three months old and in my head, I held her and just threw her against the wall. And obviously I'm looking at this baby and in my head, I'm imagining her being pelted against a wall and you just go, I'm a monster. I'm an absolute psycho. And it is something that has stuck with me forever and I have never got over the guilt of that. And I can remember going out to my parents and I'm like, you just need to take these kids because I just need to have sleep for an hour. I have not slept at all, not even a wink. And so when you've got that kind of sleep deprivation and then you've got a husband who you know, through no fault of his own, didn't really understand what was going on either. I had no idea what was going on. And just no one stepping in and going, Naomi, this is a problem. Yeah. Um, and the healthcare professionals let me down as well. I was going seeing a, a lactation consultant and she should have said, enough, enough now. Put these babies on a bottle. You've done the best you can. Yeah. And once I, once I went, you know what, okay, I'm going to do this, they miraculously started sleeping and they started gaining weight and everything I know was but then fine. that's another thing hey like you just the stigma of yep. it took me two weeks like Thomas he was a really little baby with this really little mouth and I was a first time mum and my milk came in like bruh like, <laughs> they were so big and they were so like they would just even when they were soft it <laughs> was like, Mah. like he couldn't get his, he just couldn't. Yeah. We tried this, we tried over, <laughs> like literally I tried absolutely everything. Yeah. And I just didn't <laughs> like, I oh, it was this poor so, little baby with his boob. Yeah. I, and then, and the nurse like said to him, I was like, he can't breathe. She's like, yes, he can. This is what this is for. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. but I would be forever doing this. Like uh, around yeah. his nose. Yeah. Like, could he, and in the end, my like it took me two weeks of not sleeping and him not feeding and just like Horrible. craziness. Yeah. And my mum just said to me, "Why don't you just put him on the bottle?" I was like, "No, I can't do that. Like, I can't. No, I gotta do you know." And I did it. Best thing I ever did. Mm. And then from there, actually, then when I had to put Ella and Jackson, like eventually when I wanted to stop feeding, yeah, it was such. 
Sorry. It was such a um, easier decision, but yeah. it's all those things yeah. that compound that just make it so hard. Yeah. And also the fact that, like you're just saying, how many people have you ever told that story to? Uh, I think I might have shared it on social media many years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, who do you, well, oh, I imagined, you know, pegging my three month old baby. And that's right. Like you just, what you do is like, that's a really bad thought. I'm going to never tell anybody. Mm. And actually you have to tell somebody that's yeah. like, that's the thing, but you're having such negative thoughts and you're in such a bad headspace. You don't want to share those thoughts because yeah. people think you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Or, you know, or that you are actually going to hurt your baby, hurt your baby. Yeah. And these little thoughts just flash through. And as soon as you've had them, like I, I howled, I cried and cried and cried and cried after that little yeah. momentary, but you are so afraid to get help yeah. because you're worried what that outcome or what it's that help be. is going to look like. And then exactly. you think, is this going to be on my record forever so that forever I'm going to be thought of as someone who potentially could hurt a child? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just think it can follow you forever and you will always be looked at slightly different for it. And it's yeah. wrong. It is yeah. wrong. And the pressure that we get as mums is totally um, different to the pressure that, that dads have. Uh, and it's, and it's just a no pressure. Well, but yeah, and I mean, it's it's not fair. I'm not having a go at men because I mean, I think when you've carried the baby and you're breastfeeding the baby, like that's why they just yeah yeah. You know what I mean? So and they don't they because they don't go through that stuff. Yeah, they do, they just don't understand. No, it's not no. that they don't care. Not at all. It's just all. that they just don't understand. And, and how I'll do you explain still, it to exactly. them? Exactly. And I'll still have conversations with Dave now, and he will not understand. Like yeah. you know what. I'm actually trying to say, you yeah. know. Just well, I, yeah, I'm still resentful of Tony. And yeah. I say to him, one of the reasons why I wanted to have the fifth baby was because I had Andrew um, when I was quite young and it felt very stressful and I felt like I'd let my parents down and all this sort of stuff. Then when I had the twins, I had the postnatal depression and the anxiety. And then I had Felix so close to the twins. I didn't get P&D with Felix, which was really interesting. Um, but then I had three children under the age of 18 months. And I just said to Tony, oh, are you crazy? I know, I know. And that, but that's what I said to him. I said, I feel like I have never really just enjoyed one child, you yeah. know, where it was this nice, beautiful situation. And in all the, the twins and Felix, I love you, Tony, but dead set, you're useless. <laughs> you know, he won't help during the night. He didn't get up oh, in the morning. Dave terrible too. Dave, so, Dave was terrible. I just Dave. wanted Tony to redeem himself, you know. And he, but you know what he said to me? He goes, if I don't, I'm like, <laughs> we'd be done. That's it. Oh my god, that is so funny. Yeah, that is so funny. I I guess like, I don't know. For women, I guess we kind of have this ideal of what we expect pregnancy and birth and oh, what to be I had like. It so romanticized. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> and for men, it's just not like. I I remember when day and he. I actually had a go at him the other day. Remember in the podcast and I told you? Yeah. He said to me at the bed, like, oh, yeah, because I'm really tired. Mm. He's like, I did not say that no, to you. No, listened. Yeah. No, he didn't listen. We haven't released that one yet, I don't think. Oh. That's the last oh, one. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But we were just having a conversation about, I don't know, something else. And he's adamant that he did not say that. And I'm like, well, mm, you, you did. did. <laughs> yeah. You know, they just, I think that. Just that psyche is different where we have this romanticized ideal yeah. of what motherhood should be like, how we should cope. Yeah. We should just all have it together. I actually did a post, I'm pretty sure it was yesterday, about saying no. Yeah. Just, you know, say no. You don't want to 
Go yeah. back to exercise. No, you can't come visit me. Yeah. No, you, I don't want you to pick up my sleeping baby. Yes. You know? No, don't come yeah. over to my house unannounced yeah. to see my babies. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Yes. You know, and yeah. we don't ever say no. No, we we're don't. just like, oh yeah, okay, come yeah. over. You know, yeah. and you just, you, I remember people came over to my house when I had Jackson, and I was just sitting there the whole time, just thinking, mm, I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. If you could just go, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh the baby, can we take some photos? And like, I've got these photos, and I just look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, look like shit. Yeah, I have no photo yeah. of you while have you're in no, your worst yeah. day ever. Like a family photo. Let's get a family photo of all you guys together. Oh, and you've got yeah. bags. I had no bra on under my shirt. Like yeah. these giant saggy boobs, and I was like, my hair was like just. Didn't have your eye brushes. I did not have eye brushes or an awesome forehead back then. <laughs> but you know, like just I was like, just look like absolute. Dog shit. And then and I put it all like, over social media yeah, and you're like, get a photo of all you guys you. and all you're thinking about. Yeah. You know, and now I'm like, I should say no. Yeah. <laughs> I should have just said, no, you can't come over. Yeah. Please you don't. Know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so one thing that really um, I find makes a difference with me to kind of segue into what you're going to talk about is exercise. Yeah. When 100%. I feel like I am in a shit spiral place. I have to get my exercise back on track. Yeah. Just, you're obviously going to talk about the science of it, but for me, it just is a time that I actually do not have to think. Yes. My brain yes. does not have to work. It gets work. short-circuited. <laughs> my brain does not have to yeah. work. Yeah. I don't have to think about it. Nobody will talk to me. Like, just, it's just almost like a little reset. Do you know, yeah. it's really interesting that you say that because... I don't know if there is any necessarily um, solid science on that, but something I talk about is when I'm really anxious, if I go and exercise, it does, like it short circuits my brain. Yeah. And it stops that loop that's happening. Yeah. And my brain just quietens, you know, because everything else hurts so much that you can't even think about it. And I, you might be thinking, oh, why would you want to do that? But when you have to do something that's really hard, all your focus goes onto that. Yeah. And it completely stops the the anxiety and the and the mood um but yeah i've definitely noticed that sort of short circuiting type thing um and that's how i've often described it yeah but um what i want you to talk about is the interesting stuff with the do you mean to talk about the glymphatic system or the brain derived neurotropic factor yeah so one of the things now listen this part of the podcast just no, okay, is very sciencey. <laughs> so all I'm gonna be doing is, if you're watching, looking beautiful, okay, and I'm just gonna be like the Segway master. Oh, that's interesting, Naomi. What does that mean, okay? <laughs> that's all I'm gonna be doing for this part. Yeah. But I'm gonna intro this in that um, when Naomi was talking about before, she's so pedantic about her sleep, and she's gonna talk about why. Yeah. And when she talks about why, I think like for me, I'm like, oh, mate, like that is why I am so affected when I have very little mats of sleep which at the moment i'll be lucky to get like six hours so um when you're talking which is about, actually not enough yeah it's not enough mm. but you know like just what you're going to talk about is yeah for me to go oh mm. fuck i've got to make that more of a priority because i guess like yeah. for me it's like oh i'll just cut that <laughs> i'll just go to bed later or i'll just get up earlier and i'll do it then or whatever yeah that's probably one of the first things that we give up 
is sleep because it's time you know yeah and I think that's something that I have changed since having had the twins so in all honesty I think part of the reason why I I won't give up sleep is because I think I'm afraid of being asleep uh, not a, like getting a lack of sleep because it was the lack of sleep that um, brought on the um, postnatal depression and Andrew, I, what are you doing? Yeah, why are you <laughs> in here? Like, sneak, sneak, yeah. sneak, I'm sneak. Quiet. Yeah. I'm food, I'm okay, all right. Well, you better get us some. I know, I know. My 17-year-old has just come in and tried to sneak in. Of course, George is never going to let that happen. <laughs> I'm never going to let that happen. <laughs> Mum life. Um, yeah, so I think I'm actually afraid of not getting enough sleep partly because I'm scared that I would get that, I can't get postnatal depression again, but I'm afraid of getting that sort of stuck in my head thing again. Um, but I, if I don't get enough sleep, my anxiety just goes through the roof. I am pedantic about it for that reason, but also because there's something called brain-derived neurotropic factor. And it's a... That's me. What is that, Naomi? <laughs> it is a particular type of protein that comes from our brain, and it's really important in something called... Uh, synaptogenesis. I knew I had to write that down because I knew I was going to forget. I was going to get all caught up in the emotion of all of this and forget what it's called. So basically inside of our, our brain we've got neurons which are nerve cells. Now the way in which nerve cells work is if I've got two nerve cells here, um, you don't want them talking all the time because that would be bad. Imagine if your nervous system was constantly communicating all over your body. You'd be all over the place. Um, so what happens is between the two nerves we get a flooding of um, something called a neurotransmitter and that neurotransmitter goes between the, the space and these two synapses communicate with each other. <clears throat> now, in terms of um, brain-derived neurotropic factor, what it does is it actually is important in terms of making sure that the nerve cells you've already got are protected and they don't get killed off. And then it's also important in the building of new nerve cells. And so what we see in people with depression or schizophrenia, um, I think it's also in Huntington's, definitely in Alzheimer's, is that they have a lower level of brain-derived neurotropic factor and it also relates to the severity of the disease and how fast the disease progresses. Now... Meaning if they have less? Um, well, it's... yes. Sometimes it can be higher as well, which is a little bit weird, but I don't want to get into that. But basically, yes. Um, now, with um, BDNF, it's really important in terms of learning. It's important in terms of long-term memory. It's important in terms of um, a higher order thinking, <clears throat> which is why with people with um, Alzheimer's, it's so affected. Well, that's part of the reason why it's so affected. You also get a loss of actual brain matter, uh, atrophy of brain matter in um, those sort of neurodegenerative um, conditions. But the really exciting thing is there's a lot of things we can actually do to improve BDNF. And one of those is cardio exercise or that particularly that high intensity exercise. So we see that it's um, higher in people who are exercising. So for us, um, one of the reasons why we exercise so much obviously is we want to age healthily. We want to have healthy brains. Uh, and that's what <clears throat> high intensity exercise will do, particularly the cardio. There's also um, information or there's some research supporting intermittent fasting for higher BDNF and also calorie restriction. So just by simply restricting our calories, there's really um, beneficial neurological benefits associated with that. You can make cells more resistant to disease, more resistant to something called ischemia, which is a lack of oxygen supply. Uh, and then we can also modify our diet. We can uh, increase our vitamin D and we can do that by going outside. Or if you can't do that, you can take a supplement. Uh, lion's mane is what's considered to be a nootropic and that can also increase our levels of BDNF, um, then you can reduce your sugar intake, increase your omega-3, 
Um, and then really interesting is social enrichment. So simply by... Oh, I'm not being friends. Simply by being with the people you love improves. Isn't that... That's so cool. I love stuff like that. That really gives me such a, you know, a little kick because when we look at people who are isolated, socially isolated, it has really bad long-term effects on their health. So social isolation is a really strong predictor of cardiovascular disease. Uh, and it's not surprising that if you're lonely, you know, it's yeah. going to have a really negative effect on your health. Yeah. So that's BDNF. Um, and then also um, another reason why I'm so crazy about the sleep thing is there's something called the glymphatic system. Oh, that's me. Naomi, what is that? The glymphatic system is like the lymphatic system that we find in our body, but it's in our brain. And here's the cool thing. So they didn't actually discover the glymphatic system up until I think it was 2012 or 2013. It was definitely 2012. Okay, all right, so thank you, Google. Why <laughs> um, no, Google ain't this pretty. What? Google's not this pretty, it's that's only true. smart. That's true, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with the glymphatic system, it really kicks into gear when we're asleep. Hmm. That's very interesting, Naomi, tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I actually was thinking the same thing that you just said. Chinks. Um, so what happens when we sleep is, so I was talking about the neurons before. They're our nerve cells. Yes. Yes. Now, the demo. when we sleep, they actually shrink a little and move apart. And what that does is it creates all this extracellular space and then the uh, metabolic waste that accumulate from all the communication, all the things that they do, actually dumps into that extracellular space, which then is taken away to the lymphatic system. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so we didn't really, we, I'll say that. I had, nothing, I had nothing to do with that, uh, <laughs> discovery. that discovery. No, I'm just claiming it. Uh, but that discovery about the, um, the brain's ability to clean itself um, is a reasonably um, new piece of information and scientists didn't really know how it happened. And it just really emphasizes again how important sleep is. Now, scientists still don't really understand sleep, but we know that it is restorative. We know that it's important for regeneration and it's particularly that deep sleep that is really important in terms of regeneration. Um, and if we are stressed and anxious, so we're having too much caffeine, um, all the rest of it, that can really affect our ability to fall into that deep sleep. And that's really when, you know, the lymphatic system kicks into gear as well. Well, it might be the regeneration process. Either way, it's important. We need to sleep. Our brain needs us to sleep to Good clean itself. quality sleep too. Good quality sleep, yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, there's a lot of information around what's called sleep hygiene, how you can change your room to make sure that you're getting good quality sleep. And a few really quick things are no TVs, no devices. Yeah. Um, you need to have a dark room. Your, the best sleeping temperature is actually 18 degrees. So cold. Cold, because you need to cool your core body temperature. Wow. Yeah, so 18 well, degrees. That is really interesting, especially because we're in Queensland and it's hot all the time. Yeah, yeah. So wow. being too hot will absolutely disrupt <clears throat> your sleep. So you want to try and cool your room down. If you can't cool your room down enough, what you can do is have a really hot shower or a really hot bath before bed. And what happens is as the body um, sort of takes on all that heat, it tries to dissipate it. So when you get out, you've got all your blood vessels that are all open and they're redirecting all the heat to your skin surface. And so you'll have do this massive thermic dump as you get out of the bath and shower to try and cool yourself down. So that will help lower your body temperature before you go to sleep. 
Uh, and then just be mindful of not eating too close to bed, not having a lot of caffeine, those sorts of things. Yeah. And one of the most important things about good sleep is going to bed and getting up at the same time every single day. Oh, never gonna happen. <laughs> but that's Listen, why I won't I've got stay to start up. making a few changes. <laughs> okay. But that is probably not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, so people are like always saying to me, oh, you're such a nana. Rah, rah, rah. Because on the weekends, I really try and stick to my normal bedtime. Um, and yes, I know. Listen, listen. Don't let that, don't let her fool you. That is because she is a nana. Oh, okay, yeah. Don't even, don't even be yeah. like, I'm looking after my, my health. No, you are a nana too. But you know what? Health slash nana. I have worked out over the years that when I do actually have that regular routine, I actually feel really good for it. Yeah. And I just... Oh, I'm actually just... No, but I am also... I don't want to go anywhere. Please don't invite me out because then I'm just going to have to say yes and cancel last minute because I don't want to go. The only reason that she comes to my house is because I live down the road. She can get home real easy. And I need to borrow a washing machine. And she needs to borrow a washing machine. Just for a little bit longer. Just for a little bit longer. A few more days. Um, but there's lots of other reasons why we um, exercise. So our happy hormones... Um, serotonin uh, is released uh, as in response to exercise. Did you know, George, that 95% of our serotonin is produced in our gut? Mm, no, I did not know that. Mm. So if you want to you know, feel good, improve anxiety and depression, a really good place to start thinking about is also your gut um, and improving that. But that's a whole other... That's a whole other thing. Because also when I'm feeding my gut, the happy stuff like chocolate and spiders... Sometimes my other parts of my body are not liking that. <laughs> so you have to do a balance between the happy stuff here and then the happy stuff here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we also just exercise just makes us feel better. You know. Yes. And it what is, you were it's talking. It's so important. Sorry. It's just it is really important, um, regardless of like your age, size, weight. Um, whatever yeah or like your access to gyms and stuff exercise is really important yeah um and even if you can't get to a gym as such um doing that high intensity stuff at home and there's heaps of ways that people can do that stuff at home yeah heaps and heaps of ways um you know with body weight just a simple kettlebell or a set of dumbbells um so many things that you still can do at home if you don't have access 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 Oh, I didn't get much sleep last night. That is why my brain is not working. It didn't dump enough. It's still... Um, it's heaps of ways that you can still get that high intensity stuff without just being going for a walk as your exercise. Yep. Which is also very beneficial and helpful if that is what you enjoy doing. But try and add in some of that high intensity stuff. But here's the interesting thing. So I shared a piece of research, um, I think it was yesterday, and they talked about high intensity exercise, but it was only at 60% of their aerobic power. So 60% mm. is not particularly high. And no. they were seeing really important um, benefits <clears throat> at that 60%. So it just keeps, like the research that we see, it just keeps showing us that, you know, something is better than nothing. Something yeah. is always better than nothing. And a lot of people go, well, I've only got five minutes. So I'm not going to worry, but in this program that I was talking about, this research-based high-intensity interval training program, it, they did one uh, interval versus four intervals, and they found that the people doing the one interval got comparable results to those doing four. So it shows us that the benefits are happening very early on. Yeah. So if you've only got five minutes, don't think I've only got five minutes, mate, go do 30 Five minutes of burpees, five minutes of sprints. Okay, I was going to say five, 30 seconds of burpee, 30 seconds of rest, but she's a monster. 
Well, Five just, minutes listen, of burpees listen. will really... It'll get ya. It'll get ya. It'll get your heart rate up. Yeah. I actually made the kids in teens the other day. This is the best. In teens class, so we um, were doing back squats. So it took a bit of time because we started with just like hip openers, bracing, put like lots of technique stuff. Then we went to the barbells or like some people goblet squats. Um, and then so we only had a little bit of time. I was like, oh, we don't have much time. What do you do? Dad bod classic. Dad yep. bod classic. When death by burpees. Yeah. When he has a third of a workout, death by burpees. Yeah. Anyway, so I made them do that, which is in, you start with one burpee and then the next minute it's two, next minute it's three, blah, blah, blah. So at the start, it's easy. It, it was so easy. They were like laughing at me and I was laughing at them laughing at me because I knew what was about to happen. <laughs> and by the time they got to like nine, ten minutes, they like I only made them go to 14 minutes because that's the time we had. They were done. 14 minutes? I think yeah. my best is only 15. But they're little kids. Like, yeah, I know, but that's really bad for me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, they're oh just, my God. They're I mean, little. my best is like Yeah, 23. I mean, they did awesome, but yeah. the burpees add up. So, yeah. you know, like it's really good. Yeah, and you don't, and that's the thing. You could do 30 second on, 30 second off, 30 second on for five minutes and you'd get huge benefit, huge benefit. Like even if you did squat jumps for 30 seconds, like that hurts. Your heart rate goes skyrocketing. So these little bursts of high intensity exercise are so good for us and yep. they don't have to be huge workouts. And that's what the research keeps showing us is that lots of benefits are happening early on with the right amount of intensity. And that's what's so exciting. And from a personal perspective, every time I'm anxious, except for that one workout I did with you where I was really mad because you kept no repping me. Here's the thing, they were no reps. Like you keep like blaming me. You're shifting the blame to me for calling your no reps. The blame and the onus is on you to make them good reps. I think you need to get your eyes tested. No, I think you just need to make the reps. They were reps. She's a model. Anyway. Anyway, that is who, has, <laughs> who has done the judges course numerous times? Me. Who set the standard of the workout? Me. Me. Not you. You don't even know. She was so cranky, she was blurry-eyed and delirious. I was so angry. I was so angry. This is the only workout where I've been stressed coming into it where the workout didn't make me feel any better. And actually, I walked out just as cranky as before. And I didn't even stay and talk to anybody, which, if you know me, that's very unusual. And I straight out the door, even Carly, I was like, see ya. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad. But other than that, other than that one workout, every other workout I've ever had, if I'm not feeling great, I'm stressed and anxious, Exercise always makes me feel better. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. That's me and Darcy did this workout the other day. It was like, oh, it took us like forty minutes. It was actually really hard, but really good. And yeah. then by the end, we were like, oh, we didn't want to do it. Yeah. We we're like, we'll just rearrange the room. We let's find some work to do. And then I was like, nah, we've got to work out because we didn't work out yesterday. Okay. But we felt so much better. You do. You, you always so feel good better. for it. And like what you're talking about before um, with Loz and. Um, Nicole. Nicole, thank you. Oh, I think it was Caitlin for some reason. That's so weird. Sorry, Nicole. Um, the achievements just give you so much confidence. Like yeah. when you look at a workout and you think, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And then you do it and you're like, yes. Yeah. Um, and then you see your progression and you realize how far you've come. Like that is so um, motivating, inspiring. And the confidence that you have just grows and grows and it helps you then but deal outside with. Outside of the gym also. Yeah. You yeah. know, like we're talking about that, like benefits inside, the, but really yeah. like. It it's, changes you yeah, completely. So much. So yeah. much more benefits outside the gym. Yeah. Um, I, one of my clients, Emma and Courtney, um, 
they come together, they're sisters, they're so much fun, I love getting to train them. Yeah. And yeah, like they said to me, we went for a bushwalk the other day and we weren't puffing. Like we weren't puffing! Yeah, that's so good. You know, like they carried their backpacks and their waters yeah. um, and they did the whole climb, they did it faster than they had done, but the thing that they noticed most was just how much easier, easier it was for them. Yeah. Um, and we're not even doing cardio, like we're actually just doing strength training. Yeah. That's all they do with me is strength training. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, like so, just that stuff where they're just out on a hike and they're like, "This mm. is so much difference." And just you on know? the strength training, that's something that I really need to ram home to everyone is that when we look at the benefits of exercise, it really like strength training just keeps coming up trumps yeah. in so many ways, and that's actually what I want to do my PhD on is there's a <clears throat> particular hormone that's secreted by muscles when it contracts and it's called a myokine and it's like a little biological flare and it sets off a signal and it has this anti-inflammatory effect and we're kind of wondering if the anti-inflammatory effect of the myokine is what helps prevent um, Alzheimer's because Alzheimer's is such an inflammatory condition and that's what I want to investigate unfortunately COVID ugh, COVID has created a lot of problems and I don't know if I have enough blood samples from the brain training trial to do that anymore. So we're sort of, me and my professor are just sort of talking about what it is we're gonna do. But weight training, weight training, ladies, please, for the love of God, for the love of God, please lift heavy. You won't bulk up, you'll get sexy. You're growing your little muscles. I love it when Flick comes up to me and she's like, Naomi, touch me here, touch me here. <laughs> and she makes me touch her new muscles and I'm like, oh. So people probably think we're the biggest weirdos in the gym, but you do, you, you grow muscle and you feel good and you get confidence and it's good for your brain. It's good for every part of your body. And we know that people who weight train in terms of the longevity factor, it is such a strong correlation. So yeah. please do your weight training. And please don't think that you're gonna end up looking like a bodybuilder. If you wanna look like a bodybuilder, you gotta do the bodybuilding thing. Which is okay? really hard. Which is really hard. You can't look like a bodybuilder accidentally, let me no, tell you. You can't look like an elite level CrossFit athlete without doing elite level CrossFit, CrossFit like four or five hours a day. You know, those people don't just accidentally look like that from just going to they're one session a day, okay? That's Sorry, I was laughing because I was thinking I accidentally ended up looking like this. Yeah, like that, it just does not happen, yeah, okay? No, it requires significant dedication and focus and discipline 100%. to look like that. Yes, yeah. and bodybuilders train like so different. Like they're they not do. just doing, they're not doing like strength training like what we're talking about. Like that's like, you know. There are different types of training. So there's yes. training for performance there's training for aesthetics yes. and then there's training for longevity. And now that I'm nudging 40, I've decided that I want to do the longevity stuff. I feel so old saying that. But you know, I'm trying to hit my 16,000 steps. <laughs> Are we about to break up on camera? Listen, you, I'm just I'm just. You're not saying. going to my 40th. I'll be there. Oh! No, 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 it's all good. It just, do you know what, I've got it. So for those that are listening on the podcast, I've got the camera set up to never turn off like don't sleep it and the laptop still sleeps for whatever reason i don't know how to turn it and off. and then we're freaking out because yeah. the last two podcusts have like cut yeah. on us yeah um i don't know anyway we just wanted to share some of that uh really cool information yep and also just share our experiences with our own mental health um and kind of how exercise helps us with that yep and hopefully you get a few tips if you need help with your mental health um there is heaps of places 
to contact. Yeah. But also talk to your family, talk yeah. to your friends, talk to the people that you are actually really close to. Yeah. Um, because sometimes for me, I find that's actually the biggest help because yep. I know with my mum, like when I'm talking to my mum, I can just be honest. Yep. You know, like I can really say what I'm feeling. I can really say what I'm helping. And for the most part, I just need to mind dump how I'm like, yep. what is actually going on. Yeah. Um, and exercise. Get outside, go for a walk, yep. five minutes of burpees, five minutes of air squats, five minutes of shuttle runs, whatever it is that will get you moving, yep. do that. And don't, don't ever think that food, like your diet, exercise and a good night's sleep is not the most powerful intervention ever because it really is. Yeah. And don't ever feel like if you're taking medication that you're failing or that it's um, a problem. You know, exercise, diet, sleep, being outside and pharmaceutical intervention, they're all um, complementary. They all yeah. work together. And if you talk to your doctor about not wanting to be on a particular medication forever, that's an important conversation to have with your doctor and say, these are the things I'm also trying now. I'm changing my diet. I'm yeah. doing this. I'm doing this. I really want to try and come off this medication at some point yeah. and make a plan with them for that. Don't ever feel like taking medication as a short term solution or even a long term solution. Like you might have to be on it forever. It's totally okay. We all have different bodies. We all have different ways in which our bodies work. And just like someone needs to take insulin for the rest of their life for diabetes, you are not a failure because you're taking something for mental health for the rest of your life. It is all, you know, all of the interventions that we use are all complementary and they are all unique and individual to us. Um, and there's lots of things that work. I think that's such a really good point. Um, Thanks. Really good point. My brother is... <laughs> what do you? <laughs> My brother um, is going through a little mental health battle himself, and being on medication is one thing he absolutely hates. Like he, yeah. I don't want to be on medication. Like that, like that, that defines him. Yeah. Like the medication yeah. defines who he is. Yeah. And I try to have. He doesn't like having conversations with me because I'm very matter of fact about it. Mm, and are you? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, like I have that. empathy for him, but I also. Um, want him to get out of feeling sorry for himself yep. like and be proactive in um, taking medication because it helps him yeah like, it, it helps you yeah um, and sometimes like you just need that medication to almost like kickstart you yep so that you can do other things to help with your mental health yeah um, because when you're depressed, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And the medication can be what you, you need. To break it. So that you start eating better and you start exercising yeah. and doing those things. Yeah. 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 And, <clears throat> you know, I said to him, like, exactly what you just said. It might not be forever. Or, yeah. you know, you might be <coughs> starting on this amount, but then you eventually it'll come down, you know. And there might be stages where then you've got to put it back up. Like, yeah. it is an ongoing, your mental health the same as your physical health, is ongoing. It's fluid. It changes yes, all the time. Yes, it changes all the time. As your life changes and as your circumstances and as you change, um, it will change as well. And you're no better or worse for taking medication. Like, just if I don't take medication, that doesn't make me any better or worse than someone who does. It just means our bodies are different. Yeah. And at the moment, I'm lucky that I've been able to control my anxiety with exercise and diet and sleep. But I am completely okay within the future going, okay, I can't control it like that oh, anymore. Oh, there have been heaps of times I've had to go on medication. And that's fine. Heaps of times. Yeah. When I was a teenager, yeah. as a teenager, I had to, 
and especially as a teenager because I actually didn't understand yeah like I didn't understand what was happening or what was going on or even like you know to me depression was I was just sad yeah. like that's what it was yeah why and can't you just be happy yeah why can't you just yeah. you are no well it's not even that you are happy you laugh all the time you're so yeah. loud you're always talking to people yeah you know that doesn't actually mean anything no it just means that I'm loud and I have to talk to people and you know like sometimes it's just your job also yep. you know what I mean like I can't turn up to class and go mm, listen I'm just gonna write the workout out you guys just do it because I don't I feel like do it that, today hey. <laughs> but then you wouldn't know rep no I'd probably still know rep you would just be like this no rep bitch <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean like and so sometimes I just actually have to get on with it like not get on with it's not the right word but yes you just have to manage yourself and that's yep. just part of being an adult and a mum and having a job and all of that kind of stuff but there's lots of times where you will see me that I'm laughing at you and having a massive joke with you and we're having heaps of fun and then that conversation ends and I just go yeah yeah and take a breath yeah you know what I mean definitely so it's and like that's just me yeah and I think a lot of people probably resonate with that um I can go to the gym be chirpy happy talking to everyone and then in the car on the way home I'm crying oh I'm yeah just, Dave just and yeah. that's part of why Dave thinks I'm a crazy person <laughs> that's part of why Dave thinks I'm crazy exactly because yeah. then I come home and he sees like my stories like you yeah. know but you did this but you did that but you did you're this today to and now you're like this yeah. though like you get really good and I think that's why the other week I was able to not cry because I get so good at sort of just shutting it off yeah because if I think about my mum and there's problems with my sister and then all the rest of it like it just overwhelms you totally and I just can't stop crying yeah so I it came I felt like I'd spoke to George about it <clears throat> and I said I felt like I came across as a bit cold but it was literally I'd just come from my mum and I was just the deterioration with her um, and the difficulties with her I think I just sort of and, my, off a and little. my dad and my poor I'm just dying with my dad at the moment just I feel like I'm losing my dad in all of this as well and I just shut off and it makes me seem a little cold at times and I know I do it to the kids too because I just you sort of get to this point where you're so overwhelmed with it all yeah. and you're dealing with your own anxiety and your own emotions and then all the other things going on and you just sort of go into self-preservation mode yeah um, and it's tough. and then, then the people who cop the download of that is the people that you love like yeah. your husbands and your families because yeah that's your safe space yeah and that's your space to just let go and it's okay mm. um but sometimes i guess when you're a person who doesn't go through that like i guess dave kind of doesn't understand that because mm. he has not gone through that you know he just like other people guess sees me as like being out there with people and all those things and then you know yeah. and your husband's yeah. probably the same like you go to work and yeah. you do that. Well, not work even, but like even with your friends and things like that. Like, yeah. you, know. you just flick that switch. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, right, I'm on. Okay, now I can stop that and I can, you know, yeah. decompress. And I think for me, like, um, and like what I'm talking about, my depression is obviously like a very, I don't know, I'm going to say like bottom of the scale. That's not obviously the medical term or whatever, but... Like, I'm not... Maybe mild? Yeah, mild, okay. yes. Mild, like, I get really mild depression. I'm not, like, highs and lows. Um, you know, I don't have bipolar, just depression. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously other people, the extent 
or like the severity of what you're going through might be different to what I'm talking about, like yeah. for myself. Yeah. So don't take what I'm saying as that is you. Yeah. Um, I'm actually just sharing yeah. my experience. Um, That's such a good point. What I find helps me dealing with that and yeah. for other people it might be you know my brother also suffers like the really big highs and then the really big lows so he's more like bipolar than what I am um and so for him like that's also why the medication is so important because mm. you know like for me I just need to come up whereas he needs to come up and down and like even yeah. out um yeah that's you know like I mean? and when I said I, I don't medicate like I, I do exercise and whatnot that's me and that's what you're saying like that's my individual experience yeah. and just be and, and that's the whole thing around medication as well is that you get these people saying things like oh i just eat a good diet and i do and, and it's really unkind yeah because there's a lot of people who are really struggling and they're thinking well if i just got better sleep or if i just ate a better diet or if i just did a bit more exercise and sometimes you can do all those things and it doesn't make any difference at all and it's again just the different ways in which our bodies work yeah. um and our experiences are all different. And as I said, at some point I might have to take medication. And if I do, then I do. Because yeah. you just have to get on with life and, and recognize that sometimes you need a little bit of extra help. Yeah. And that's fine. I just, I kind of just wanted to say that when you're talking about flip the switch. Um, and why I mention that is because I feel like for me, because I've been dealing with depression for so long, I can flip that switch. Like yeah. I can pull myself up to just deal with society before I'm back down into a little bit of a lull. Yep. Um, and because my like my depression is like quite mild. Um, but I have friends who it's not like that for them. Definitely. You know, my brother, my dad. My dad went through a massive um, stage of depression where he was just down like real like for a really long time. Mm. Um, and he needed medication. He's one person who's like, no, I'm not taking the medication. Mm. Just... I don't know, maybe that's an old person thing because he just is like that with everything. Well, are but you asking my opinion as an old person? As you're an old person, yes, I was. <laughs> one to me, one to me. No, well, no, I, that was like a self-burn. Yeah, that was I a self-burn. Oh, half each, half each, half each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, no, I just mean like <sighs> mental health is not one thing yes. and it manifests for people in such different ways. So like what my depression looks like is not what your depression looks like or what my brother's or my dad's depression looks like. Yeah. Um, it's so different for every single person. Yeah. So if you feel like you are suffering from mental health, go see your doctor as a first point. Yes. And find someone who you really trust Yeah. to sort of have that decompression, like to go and talk to them about that until you can go and see your doctor because often you can't get in straight away. But find that one person who you know you can say anything to and that they're a little safe space for you. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And if you need help with that, shoot us a message. Um, we're always here. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to our TED Talk. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> proud of you. You didn't cry. Oh, I only cried at the start. Just a little bit. Mm. You did so good. Much better than me and my little. Yeah, but we didn't talk about my mum too much, which is good because I find that very difficult. And then talking about my dad, that would probably get me going again. So yeah. we sort of stayed, if we can stay on the science. And it's interesting because so with the research I'm doing at the moment, I'm dealing with people who do have cognitive uh, impairment. And if I can make myself just focus on the science of it and not think about too much what it means, I'm okay. But there have been some times where I've started getting quite teary and emotional in the actual sessions because I start thinking about my mum. So so long as I keep it 
it's a fact, it's just science, these are the things, I'm all good. But if you talk about anything else, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and that's okay, sometimes you just gotta cry. Sometimes you gotta cry. And sometimes you just gotta say no. <laughs> yes, mum, say no, set those boundaries. You know, this is your body, your baby, your house, your rules. And you know what, if, you, if you're feeling unsure and you're thinking something's wrong, it is wrong. Yeah. It is wrong. Go and see your doctor and talk to them about everything you're feeling. And if they don't listen to you, go to another doctor. Yes. Go to someone until you find someone who actually listens to you. Mm. Because even though they may mean well, sometimes they also don't pick up on the things. Because I know my midwife didn't, my doctor didn't. All they were worried about was my baby, who was fine. Um, my baby was fine, okay? You know, and that's like with so many things with when you are a mum. Like, I did a post today, today again, and like everybody and even you are always so concerned with your baby, which is great, and we need to be concerned with babies. But we also need to be concerned with ourselves yeah during pregnancy during birth and after our birth after our births yeah we are still just as important as that little person if okay? not even more so because we are the primary caregiver of the little person yeah, yeah, yeah so if we're not doing okay they're not doing okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I just I'm gonna end on that note and if you want to just say I don't know um, thank you for listening to our TED Talk. <laughs> thank you for listening to our TED Talk. <laughs> thank you for listening and thank you to so many people who are messaging me and saying that they're... I even had my cousin in England listening and she was so, she was so funny. She said, I just need you to know that I think your arms are the right length for your body. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. That was awesome. So thank you And also much. to all the people telling me how loud I am. I know I am that loud. Uh, I've tried to put my mic a little lower today, so fingers crossed that works a little better. And I've tried turning the volume down on hers as well. And oh, we're, So you know what we're doing? We're sending it to the pros. We, the professionals are going to deal with this now because clearly we don't. And we're going to get some pr proper micro like some big microphones and anyway. And we're going to mute Until her. Until then, mute her. deal with it, bitches. <laughs> Love Bye. you. Bye.